0: Being a bottled-in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
0: The Ziggler Show. Timeless inspiration from Zig Ziggler that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide worldwide. Inspiring true performance in your work and life today.
2: Welcome to episode 313 of The Ziegler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, resident brand ambassador and marketing strategist for Ziegler. Today we're talking again about sales and helping people's perspectives on their priorities. To quote Zig himself, everyone is in sales. You are, your spouse is, your kids really are. Anyone who effectively helps others does so through selling, which is influence. Today I'm joined by Tom Ziegler, CEO of Ziegler, and with us is 30-year Ziegler veteran leader, trainer, speaker, presenter, and masterful influencer, Brian Flanagan. We're going to listen to an 11-minute, incredibly entertaining and profound clip from Zig Ziglar. And then have a discussion with Tom and Brian, who are both helping many people in today's world and marketplace effectively sell and influence others towards decisions they need to make for their own benefit. Before we listen to Zig, Tom, I'm going to ask you to tell us about Brian. He's leaving a legacy for Zigler and the world through the work he's devoted himself
1: to, and nobody has been closer to it than you. Well, Kevin, I'm excited that Brian's on our team. Been on our team for years, decades, had not it, Brian? Three, three decades. Three decades. Around here, we call him coach, and he is so practical and so professional. I love those two things about Brian. Many times we'll get a sales call in, and the executive on the end of the phone will say, what's new in sales? And Brian will just simply ask, do you want what's new, or do you want what works? And Brian's all about what works, whether it's internal coaching our own team, working with our clients, or if it's out helping other sales forces grow and become and develop into the organization they want to be. Because as we say at Ziggler, you don't build a business, you build people and people build the business. And in sales, nothing's more important than building the right kind of salespeople. So no matter where you are in your own life as a salesperson, a coach like Brian Flanagan is a huge asset. The other thing that I love about Brian is his work ethic. Many times through the years, I'll come into the company on a weekend or late or odd hours, and Brian is here, and he's getting ready for the next trip. He's finishing up his notes on his previous trip. Why is that? Because at Ziggler, we have such a high standard, and Brian sets that standard and helps us raise it to the next level. So I can't say enough about Brian. Any customer that he goes out and serves and supports, We always get great feedback on. It's just a privilege to work with him.
2: Well, and I'm incredibly honored to have you on this show, Brian. You are part of the heart of Ziggler, so it's only appropriate that we've got you here today. So, Brian, we're going to talk today about sales and play this clip from Zig that you know the story well. And you've been with Ziggler a long time. Would you share with us an early memory that you have from Zig's teaching on sales that impacted and influenced you?
3: One of my great blessings, Kevin, was that I was teaching at the National Training Center for the IBM Corporation as a sales instructor when I got a hold of Zig Ziglar. And I read his material and started understanding what he was about through See at the Top. As I was teaching at the IBM Corporation, I learned more about sales through Zig's books and through his, at those times, cassette tapes than I was teaching in my professional capacity as a sales instructor with this large company. One of the great parts that I learned, learned from Zig about the, the finishing piece of the puzzle for me was the people side of sales. And Zig says in his book, see at the top, you cannot consistently perform in a level that is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. And at the time I was struggling, I didn't deserve to be at the National Training Center because I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. But Zig helped me make the last 12-inch journey because I understood sales from a mental standpoint. I didn't understand it from a heart standpoint. And I was missing success in sales by a distance of 12 inches. And as Zig says, that's the distance from your head to your heart. So once I made that last 12-inch journey, literally my world changed from professionally, personally, relationship with my, my wife, my family, my friends. But Zig, Zig's philosophy on the people building the professional was monumental in my personal and professional growth.
2: Well, I think you just gave us the topic for our next show together, Brian, right there. That's a a big issue. And that is one that we need to cover and get your insight on. So that'll be, that'll be part two after this. Well, let's go on in and this is, this is Zig on sales. Uh, Includes a great story how his wife, the redhead, sold him on a house using his own tactics that was more than double the price they agreed on. So here we go. This is an 11-minute clip from Zig.
4: Another thing you need to understand in closing the sale is that you must not prejudge except in one department. And that is you should convict every prospect you call on that they are customers, not just prospects. Now, until you get there and tell your story, they are suspects. But once you get in front of them and tell your story, then they become prospects. Now we got to convert them over uh, to customers. You need to understand that if you don't prejudge them in that way, a lot of people, and I will forget a story on David Mezzi from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Dave at that time was selling pharmaceuticals. He had just taken over a territory that a former salesperson had had and David was getting information from him about the various clients and accounts that they had and uh, the fellow said to him, well, here's an excellent uh, prospect in this particular hospital. Uh, You will talk to the radiologist there. You'll start with the uh, department that does make the evaluations. Now, they got two radiologists. One always buys, the other one never buys. Well, they've got there, and uh, he made the call. The technology guy said, well, what you want to do is you want to go see Dr. Lazzaroni. Well, they walked in and made a substantial sale to Dr. Lazzaroni, and uh, he became a long-term customer with him. But when he told his friend uh, who had had the territory what happened, he said, that's astonishing. The other guy is the one that always buys. Dr. Larizona has never bought anything. But David, when he made the call, was under the impression that this guy, Lazaroni, was the one who always bought. And he treated him as a sale, not as a suspect. Your thinking before you get there is so important. We need to understand that. Now, one of the things we need to also understand, we need to use why they can't buy as to why they should buy. Their objection could could be and can be, in virtually every case, the reason why they can't. Jay Martin uh, owns a company that formerly sold smoke and fire detectors. He tells a story of being out with one of his young dealers one evening and they called on this prospect, one of these good old boys down home, you know, and uh, he finished the presentation and he said, well, son, he said, let me tell you my problem. Uh, We had a wreck here a few weeks ago. My wife was hurt real bad. She spent six weeks in the hospital and when she got out, uh, you know, her job had been phased out and now just one of us is working. I was in there several days, and it kind of halfway crippled me. And he said, I work on peace goods, and I can't get around quite as good, so my income is down. Now, I know the insurance company is going to pay the hospital bill, but they sure are making a sweat because the hospital bill is over $20,000, and we just don't have that kind of money. Not only that, but our boy came home from the Navy very recently, and he ran a curve too fast, went in the service station there, and tore down a $6,000 oil company sign there and we sure don't have any insurance on that now we don't have the other car he said we are really in a jam said there and not only that but my mother-in-law we just put her in a nursing home and we got to pay for that and then uh, the thing that really intrigued me about this after all of that uh, trouble there the young salesman said well let me ask you uh, mr prospect would that be your only reason why you would not go ahead and invest in these smoke and fire detectors? <laughs> well, he, uh, he said, "No boy, just slapped his leg. He said, no, son, those are The only reason I wouldn't buy uh, these uh, detectors right now. Well, the young salesman, uh, in full stride, never batted an eyelash, reached in his briefcase, pulled out the smoke and fire detector, went over to the wall to show how it would look on the wall and said to him, uh, Mr. Prospect, you know fire under any circumstances is disastrous. But in your case, with all the problems you got, a fire would wipe you out. <laughs> now, as near as I can figure, you owe about $30,000 and 300 more. This ain't going to make any difference at all. <laughs> Now, what am I saying? I'm simply saying whatever their objection is, you can in most cases find that as the reason for them buying. When we moved to Dallas, I was teaching a sales and motivation class six days a week. I was as busy as a human being can get, and I worked from nine until nine. It was a company where they had just brought me aboard as their vice president in charge of training, and I seemed to be the answer to what their problems were because they just hired me to train one week, and then we quickly exploded needed two weeks, then three weeks, then four weeks. Well, uh, we couldn't live in a motel during that period of time, so the redhead went house hunting. And I mean, she really looked for houses, two of them. When she came in that first night at 9 o'clock there in the motel, she sat on the bed, and the bed was just vibrating. I mean, she was excited. She said, Honey, I have found the house. It is absolutely the most beautiful thing you have ever seen. Now, understand, we'd had an extended conversation before she went looking as to what would be a, quote, reasonable price to pay for a house. Uh, we settled on a reasonable price. I know it was reasonable because she told me it was reasonable. So I know it was a reasonable price. But before she left, she said, honey, now i supposed to find the dream house, one that really answers every question we've ever wanted in a house. I mean, it truly is a dream house. How much more could we go? I said, well, uh, we finally decided on $20,000. Now, today, $20,000, you know, will build you a reasonably nice uh, patio. Uh, but in those days, $20,000 would buy you 2,000 square feet of quality construction. In 1968, things were a little different than they are now. Uh, so she said, could we go the other 20000 I said, well, uh, don't think it's a good idea. But, yeah, if it's the dream house, we will. Well, she started describing the house. Oh, honey, you absolutely cannot believe it. It's a ranch-style house. It's got Four bedrooms, four bathrooms. The uh, den has cathedral kitchens. I mean, uh, it, it's just absolutely incredible. The bedroom is so big, we're going to have to get us a riding vacuum cleaner. She said, it is It is really something. I said, sweetheart, how much does that house cost? She said, oh, honey, said, you got to see it. I'm telling you, it's absolutely outstanding. The builder's going to wait till 9 o'clock tomorrow night. He's going to take us by and let us look it over. I said, sweetheart, how much is the house? She said, honey, I'm telling you, it's absolutely incredible incredible. I said, sweetheart, how much does the house cost? And she told me. And it was $18,000 more than the maximum, which was already $20,000 more than I thought we had any business of, uh, you know, of paying. I said, sweetheart, you know perfectly good and well we can't get a house like that. She said, well, I know that, honey. But, you know, we don't know anything about real estate in Dallas, and that's the reason I want us to go look so we can kind of get a, a benchmark. Well, the next night we walked in, and when we pulled in front of the house, I knew I was in big trouble because that was, oh, it was there. Uh, We walked in, and now I'm not going to accuse the redhead of taking dramatic training, but when we walked in the front door uh, in the hallway, there was a beautiful chandelier. She paused about a half a second, looked up, and looked around. Uh, message delivered, message received. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we walked in the den, and and the tour started. She said, honey, said look here at this big den. Said And and this den is so big, you know, that big three-section sofa we got be absolutely perfect. And look at your fireplace. Now, all of a sudden, everything gets to be mine. You can <laughs> use these bookshelves for your books. You can watch your team play right here on Sunday afternoon. You know how you like to do that. And she said, come on back here. She took us back to the back bedroom. See what I told you? Over here, we got plenty of room for our two chairs and a little table. You know how we love having coffee together every morning. And look over here. She led me into the closet. She said, even as messy as you are, there's plenty of room for all of your clothes here. And come out here, honey. She opened the back door and said, this arrow-shaped swimming pool you've been dreaming about for years, I've already measured it off. There's plenty of room for you to have it right over here. And let's go in the garage here. Plenty of room for two cars and all of the tools and everything else. And right through here, we've got got this little space right here it's 11 by 11 you've been dreaming about of that office so you can write your book honey it's absolutely gorgeous she said and, and the tour was finished she said well what do you think there she stood all five feet half inch of her grinning at me with those beautiful blue eyes I said sweetheart what can I say it's beautiful I love it but sweetheart you know we can't buy a house like that she said, I know that, honey. I just want you to see it. <laughs> she said, now we'll go look at something cheap. <laughs> <laughs> now, come on. You don't seriously think she'd try to embarrass me into doing something I had no business doing? And that's a major point. See, when I walked in the house, I knew that I was in trouble. That's one of the reasons I didn't want to go see it. Your best prospect's won't give you the appointments. Or at least it will be very difficult to get the appointment because they're afraid you're going to talk them into doing something they already want to do and know they should not do. And so those are the ones that you want to work the hardest on. Well, she asked me, she said, Honey, uh, uh, how long do you think we're going to be here in Dallas? I said, Oh, another 100 years. This took place the next morning. Now, we did not uh, do much talking about it that night. I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth, you know, and uh, she uh, came in and said, how long are we going to live here? I said, 100, 100 years. <laughs> she said, how long? I took the toothbrush out of my mouth. I said, 100 years. I'm 42 years old, going to live to be 142, 100 years. She said, ah, come on, honey. I said, do you think we will be here 30 more years? I said, well, of course, at least. I love Dallas, a central location for my travel We'll be here 30 years. I said, why do you ask? She said, well, now the $18,000, she conveniently forgot it, the $20,000. She forgot about the original price. She didn't consider the interest and in all of the insurance and upkeep and all of those other things. $18,000, uh, 30 years, how much does that figure out to be a year? I said, "Sweetheart, that figures out to be six hundred dollars a year." She said, "How much is that a month?" She said, "I said it's fifty dollars." She said, "How much is that a day?" I said, no, sweetheart, come on, your, your arithmetic's better than mine." I said, "You know how much it is? It's a buck seventy a day thereabouts." And then she asked the closing question, "Honey, would you be willing to invest another dollar and seventy cents a day to have a happy wife instead of just a wife?" <laughs> Oh, I don't need to tell you where we live oh, okay?
0: Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Yahoo Finance com. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to dot com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that.
2: All right, well, incredible story, incredibly entertaining, uh, but so profound. So Zig said in there, and I want to pull this out, he said, treat people like a sale, like a customer, not a suspect. And, you know, Brian and Tom, I mean, the assumptive sale is is absolutely my favorite. Uh, Just like Zig's wife in the story who started referring to everything in the house as his and making it literal. But, uh, Brian, you start off here. Elaborate some on helping how you help people see themselves using your service or product.
3: If you will go back and relive or re-listen to that story, one of the great things I love about Zig is that he never gave you a promise without a plan. If you go back and re-listen, you'll see that, and as he says as he breaks it down, there's a technique involved every step of the way. One of the things that that I'm working on right now, Kevin, is this. I'm going to give you two sentences and hang in there with me. They'll relate in a minute. Just because you have the ability to carry a tune does not mean you have the ability to sing. Just because you have the ability to talk does not mean you have the ability to sell. So what I learned from Zig's stories is that, yes, it's the human side, but there's got to be a technique. There's got to be a strategy. Skills are important, not just attitude, but skills. And when... And when Jean was using those skills on her husband, and Zig points them out, she was using the as-if principle that you're you're in it now. You're, I'm telling you this as if we were living there now. Those are great techniques that are human interpersonal skill techniques. It's not manipulative. It's not slam-bam. It's a communication technique where she knew in her heart that this is what he would like for years to come because she knew her prospect. She knew that she was providing a vehicle to his goal. He said he was going to stay in Dallas the rest of his life. And she knew that. And she was using the as if principle. So if you go back in that story, there are so many different specific techniques, questioning techniques, statements that she used that just tied everything together in a technique based that that's what I I really learned from Zig.
2: Well, I think that's a big point there, that it's a learned, a lot of it, a learned skill. And I think, you know, even in this day and age, Brian, that we so often think people, they got it or they don't. You know, it's an inherent ability to connect with people. And as Zig said, and as you have showcased for so many years, no, this is this is a skill. And yeah, I like that you said that. It's a technique. It's not manipulative. I think people get caught up in that very thing, that if it's something that you have planned out a technique that, oh, that feels manipulative, but we know that's not the case. And we see a lot of great products and services messages die on the altar of really poor delivery. So, okay, I'm going to insert here real quick, just because it's appropriate that at Ziggler right there in the headquarters where you guys are sitting today in Plano, Texas, April 14th and 15th is the Essential Presentation Skills Workshop, followed by April 16th and 17th, the Ziegler Sales System, which I know in the Sales System uh, event, you're going to be participating in that. Tom, you yes. want to elaborate on those two events real quick. And again, this is April 14th, 15th, Essential uh, Presentation Skills and April 16th, 17th, Ziggler Sales System, which for those of you listening, you can go to Ziggler.com, click on the live webcast and events tab. It'll give you the pages to get the info. But, Tom, tell us a little bit more.
1: Absolutely. One of the things everybody needs to know is both of these courses, Brian Flanagan sitting right here, had a huge hand in actually designing the courses themselves. And they've been refined. And I would say, Brian, through the years, we probably delivered – those courses hundreds, if not thousands of times. Yes, very true. And the reason we can say that with pride is because unless you get results out of the course, you don't get to deliver them thousands of times because most of the time we deliver them, it's to the same customers that we go back in over and over again. So these two workshops are public, which simply means that we're going to have a group of people coming in from different companies. So everybody's listening to this. You're welcome to come. And the two-day presentation skills course, it's as simple as this. All of us are in a situation, whether it's at work or in our community, where we're called upon to make a presentation, to get someone else to follow you, to make a decision, to do something in their own best interest. And the more effective we are at that presentation, then the more powerful the results that we can get. In this course, Brian, I think you'll agree, we get more life change, more impact in two days than any other course that we do because of the videoing that we do. Explain how that videotape works or how the videoing works.
3: We teach standards in our presentation skills course. The reason we do is that these 12 standards, we hold you accountable to them. If we're telling you that you need to stand in a speaker's professional speaker stance, you need to see yourself when you drop your train of thought when you get away from that stance, and you show nervousness or distractive mannerisms. You see yourself progressing because we give two lectures. Each of the participants then stands in front of the class and delivers. We record it and provide feedback, coaching and feedback, holding you to those standards. You can't help but to improve because we videotape you ten times We video people 10 times in the two days so they see themselves growing through the nonverbal and the verbal and the validation techniques that we teach. So that's why Tom and I are so excited about it, to see the results, because you challenge yourself once you see what you're doing. Not just think you know what you're doing, but once you see what you're doing, what's impactful and what's distracting, you make those changes from taping to taping.
1: And you get to take that recording home with you. I mean, it's just such a valuable resource. You can actually see the improvement in video as it unfolds before your eyes. And then later on, let's say three months later, you're getting ready to go do a keynote or a presentation to a board or something that has an impact on your career or your future. You can pull it out very quickly. You can go through the notes of the course. You can practice in the mirror. You can record yourself on video again. And lo and behold, you're ready to go. The sales program is dynamite. That's what are the dates again on that in The seventeenth, sixteenth, yeah, 2000? the
2: Ziggler Sales System, April sixteenth and seventeenth of two thousand fifteen. So not too far off. So yeah, and again, folks, you can go to Ziggler.com, click on the live webcast and events, and go to that page. Well and I do want to pull out here again that it's talking sales, and so many people don't perceive themselves in sales. So folks, I, I wanna to offer to you if you want to have influence with people. And personal success with other people—that is what sales is about. That's what this is about. Well, speaking of these skills, and guys, I'm—I'm I'm in a uh, in a business venture right now where I'm literally face to face selling every day. I am dramatically uh, grateful for the skills that I cut my teeth on, thanks to my dad pumping me full of Zig Ziglar books and taking me to the seminars on some of those just inherent skills on how to relate with people. It's incredibly powerful. Listening to this clip though, in today's show from Zig and he said, the reason often why somebody can't buy is the reason why they should. Now either I missed it uh, or I just never heard that before. And it it took me aback a little bit. So, uh, you know, Brian, I mean, this sounds great, but, it feels hard to do, especially on the fly. It feels like it takes some preparation and wisdom to take somebody's buddies, uh, take, the, take the obstacle that they that put out there, the challenge that they put out there, why they can't do it, and then be prepared to come back and say, that is exactly why you should. And he gave us a great example in this clip. I don't know if I'm that clever, but give us some examples on relevant ways to do this.
3: One of the things that we teach that are so important is that selling is so personal that most people don't have a process. We're big believers that selling is a process. It's not a personality. And the reason we say that is that if you have a track to run on, a foundation to run on, then you can move with that customer, that prospect through the process. Zig has always said that selling is something you do with someone as opposed to to someone. If you have a process to identify their needs, their issues, their concerns, then you'll know that when somebody halts or is hesitant to move, to take action, if you've done the job of identifying their needs, issues, and concerns, that's generally the reason, as Zig says, the reason that you should go forward with it. For example, if someone is hesitating to invest in something to wait for the right time, then the reason you need to invest today is so it'll be the right time in the future. The only way to do that, the only way to find that out and to be able to communicate that is to identify the other person's desires. There's a process, as a questioning skill to do that. And the better prepared you are to use that process, the easier it is to adjust. This is one thing I learned, and, and I've been doing this a long time. Last year, it finally dawned on me process gives me the confidence to use my personality. Hmm. When I was a personality-based salesperson, I wasn't very good. So I couldn't make those changes or those adjustments on a sales call to help people get what they want because I was too concerned with my personality. How am I doing? What's he think of me? If you put that in the background and focus on two things, the person and their goals, then you can find a way to put them in a vehicle to reach those goals. So that, that's how you you communicate that the, the reason you should do it is the excuse you're using not to do it right now. And it takes some skill. And, and one of the great things I learned early with Zig is that he said he did not want a natural-born salesperson waiting on him. He wanted a trained salesperson. And the analogy he used, he didn't want a natural-born cardiologist add through ad living through his chest cavity. He wanted somebody that was trained and was professional and continue their learning. And that's what professional salespeople do.
2: Well, that is uh, yeah, profound on a couple different levels that we could expound on. It's hard not to hit the one that you said. The process gives me the confidence to use my personality because that sounds like wait, I get to be me. I don't have to be something that I'm not. So I can sell within my own personality. And I hear you saying, yes, if you just understand the process. True. Yes. Okay. Yes.
3: And I think what happens is that too often when we're new salespeople, we get into an organization I did with the IBM corporation and I wanted to be like the best salesperson in the office. There was no way I could be like him. Two completely different people. Values are different. Styles are different. Certainly personalities were different. Yet this person had some great technique. And he could be himself. I couldn't be like him. So what we're trying to do in our our two-day class during this month, 16th and 17th of April, is that we're trying to take put a presentation forth so that when you use a process, you can plug your personality into that process. You don't have to be somebody you want. If, if only certain personalities could sell, half the world couldn't sell. And that's just simply not the case.
1: Yeah, one of Brian's quotes that I love is process takes the pressure off the person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people, especially people who are new to sales, which was we, the type of people we work with all the time, is they're so nervous in the sales situation that their true self isn't coming out because they're nervous. Mm -hmm. When you learn the process, when you learn the introduction and how to build rapport and how to ask questions and you know where you are in the process, then it takes the pressure off. You're allowed your own personality to come through. And like dad said, selling is a transference of feeling. And so when you're not nervous, when you're comfortable in the process, because you know where you are, then you can transfer that feeling of why your service of value has such a benefit to the person you're talking to.
2: That's interesting. It makes me think that, uh, so in essence, you're saying, you know what, if somebody who knows you well can recognize that you just switched into sales mode, you're doing it wrong.
3: Correct. Okay. In fact, you're you're actually dead on.
2: Okay. All right. That's we need to use that as a headline that, that. That's so comforting, especially to those who feel like sales is something scary. Okay, guys, I want to, I want to wrap up then with something else that Zig pulled out in this clip, he said your best prospects won't give you an appointment or they'll be very difficult because they're afraid you're going to talk them into doing something they already want to do, but think maybe they should not. That was really interesting because, uh, of course, anyone who knows Ziggler, who knows Zig, we would never advocate selling something to someone who doesn't need it, like the old quote about selling nice to an Eskimo. Uh, So, you know, I'm currently involved in a business right now that's selling wellness and healing to people who need it, but it's costly. And the sales, not really though, in regards to the value, they know the value. It's, it's, it's a deep personal issue with them. They know the value, but it's shifting priorities away from something else that they want to afford to this. and, And this is something that they need. But at the core, I'm realizing they're frustrated at having to make a priorities decision. Uh, just like uh, you know, a dad who wants to watch the ball game, but he knows he should spend time with his family. It's a priorities issue. He's capable of doing it. So it often feels like instead of selling a product's value, sometimes we're selling personal values and priorities, which that's weighty. And so, you know, Brian, talk to us on that. I mean, help us with what seems like a very big, often you know, big and personal decision for somebody. And as you said, it's so personal.
3: One of the questions that, I like to ask, as opposed to talking them into it, I would rather ask them into a decision, is if this situation would change, what's the benefit to you? Not if this situation would change, would you buy from me? The question should be, if we can help you reach this goal, what's the benefit to you? What's the benefit to your family? How does that impact your bottom line? How would that impact the morale of your sales force? And let them tell you so that when they're telling you, they're also telling themselves, that, yeah, gee whiz, the reason I'm hesitating is that I'm, I'm keeping myself from doing something I want to do. If they can concentrate on the value, on the advantages and benefits, then they see the reason to take action as opposed to the reason to not take action. I believe it's more of a question than it is a telling, And that's that's just one of the great questions that I've learned, Kevin, is what's the benefit to you?
2: What's the benefit? And that, again, that's a paradigm shift that most untrained people don't think of in regards to sales. And, And, yeah, I see that reticence to step into that role because it feels like, yeah, I'm talking someone into it. And we just don't want to do that. I think people are more... I honestly do. I'm sure you guys see this more than I do, but it feels like people are more hesitant to do that than ever. I don't know the dynamics behind that. Maybe you guys do, but in our culture today, I see more people shying away from that than ever. And we're missing the value that they could bring to the table.
3: Let let me share with you. the, The great part of being with Zig for 30 years is that we, we, he attracts just great customers, great people who want to build themselves, who care about people. And, about eight years ago, one of our clients, who we did a lot of work with for two years, we, we were working with this guy out of the Northeast, and here's what he taught me. The intent behind your technique determines your ethics, which means in your heart of hearts, you know this product will serve this person, then every technique you use is honorable. However, if you're not sure that your solution is the best fit, then you've got to stop selling until you know in your heart of hearts that it's a connection, that it's a good fit. Because Zig has said for years, any territory, any, any community, any marketplace is too small to have a bad reputation.
2: That's significant. All right. Hey, Tom, uh, great content. And Brian, yeah, we've got to do this again. You you pulled out so many nuggets there that we've got a couple more podcasts to do on that. So let's just keep the ball rolling in the coming weeks and really flesh this out. People need this so much. It feels like it's somewhat of a lost art and we need to equip people. Uh, Tom, any last words for us?
1: Kevin, I would just say that there's a defining question that dad posed to me. It's a sales question. And he was selling me on my future. And so in the wellness example you gave, when you know the client's long-term goal, right? What's their dream? And it's to have their grandkids at the lake house playing and they're healthy and vibrant and able to do that. So when you're in a sales situation and you, you've built a relationship and you know it's in their best interest to go ahead and say yes. Dad asked me this question one time. He said, son, if you did that, would it take you closer to Or further from your goal. And that's very clarifying. And so, in a wellness situation, the cost of doing nothing is very expensive.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, thank you. Thanks for sharing this, folks. I hope you got great value out of this. We're going to continue this thread of talking about sales, talking about influence, doing it in a way that fits you. And we're going to do this with Brian and Tom in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for the great reviews and iTunes from everybody. We were sitting at number 10 at the uh, top business podcast yesterday. And it's, it's because of you listening, forwarding this on to other people who you know would benefit. We are grateful. Have a great rest of the week.
0: Thanks for tuning into the Ziegler show. Sign up for new show alerts at ZigglerShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just
1: help enough other people get what they want.